Welcome to the Working Hands Podcast. I'm Tony of Woodland Iron, joined by Keith of Blackthorn Concepts. And tonight, just the two of us. <laughs> What's up, man? Hi. Happy Father's Day as we record yeah. this. Thanks. Well, thanks to, well, to all fathers, not just myself. Yeah. <laughs> Happy belated Father's Day to everyone, since this comes out after Father's Day. But I'd like to start the episode off by thanking Sabretooth. If you go to sabretooth.com and use code WH, you can save 10% on your order for all your carving discs and burrs. I'll use them. You should. I should get some someday. <laughs> well, that means you'd have to do woodworking. Yeah, that's true, too. That's kind of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'll take a moment to thank our sponsor, Maritime Nice Supply, the one-stop shop for makers. Uh, right now, he's got, uh, well, you've just missed a pretty decent Father's Day sale if you haven't been paying attention, which I wasn't either, so don't don't worry. Um uh, but as always, he's got uh, 3M belts. If you buy 10, save 10%, so you get one free kind of deal. And then I just noticed he picked up this new item called an Orion sanding stick. Kind of a neat item. That's the little sanding stick, right? Yeah, it's meant for blade for blade sharpening and finishing where you can, or more finishing than sharpening. But it can put, you can put these little dies in behind the, uh, in behind the sandpaper to uh, get a certain shape that you, you're looking for. So it's a neat little neat little tool. So you just got those in the last week or two. So something to check out if that's something that you're uh, in need of. So as always, you can find him at maritimenicesupply.com and .ca. Yeah, those Orion things look pretty cool. Yeah, I've always seen people make, uh, make sanding sticks just out of steel or wood or whatever they need, but something like that could be... I, universal i saw he did a reel on it and or posted a reel on it and does that use like uh spent two by 72 sandpaper uh i don't know that i would use that. i think it's smaller than that so you'd probably use like sheets and cut it down and i don't think you'd use spent on something like that where it could be like finish work on a blade you probably want no that's fresh true. cutting so it's set up so you can keep moving you know, you put a strip in it so long and then just keep moving it. Spoken. You... Don't listen to me. I'm not a knife maker. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, what so what do? do? Oh, so much. <laughs> so much. Since we last recorded, I don't even know. I have been working on my uh, product for Make What You Fear. Yeah, I've noticed. I'm trying to figure out what you're doing, but... <laughs> Everyone's trying to figure it out. Apparently, the vote is I'm making uh, artisanal firewood. So I've got a vote of confidence from all my followers about what I can make. And apparently, the only thing I know how to make is firewood. So yeah. that's fun. You're kind of on the kind of getting near kindling with the size of the stuff you're working on right now. <laughs> Keeps getting smaller, too. <laughs> I. It is so... Uh, like everything I'm doing is so monotonous and boring that uh, the the posts I'm getting out of it are, are are boring. Like they're boring me, so I feel bad. But uh, it's content I'm putting it out there. But, yeah, I think that what you're putting out, like if you know someone knows you personally, they get. I think they get quite a bit out of it because of now it becomes a game. I'm trying to figure out what's Keith doing. Yeah, there are a few people that know. Hopefully they I'm not on that list. Hopefully they don't give it up. Uh, but yeah, I thought I told you what I was making. 
if you did, I forgot. So now it's, now it's a game I can, I can yeah. try and figure it along with the rest of <laughs> everybody else. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm actually excited for it. I, I, uh, it'll start to take shape here. I would say and then probably next week you'll start seeing posts maybe this week, but I got some things going on. Uh, I don't know how much shop time I'll have, but, uh, you'll start it. It should start to take shape and you're going to be like, oh, okay, that's what it is. But I'm still waiting on a couple things to show up before that happens. Yeah, you'll be putting the top on and I'll be like, oh, that's what that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's fun. I'm excited for it. Uh, it, it the, the only thing I, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous of is, is my item will not fit in a carryout. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. So I, uh, I mean, obviously there's no size restriction on the maker swap, but. Uh, if you put something in that somebody is on a plane with, then I think it should be on whoever put it in to ship it to the recipient. So I'm going to put a little note on mine that if they are on a plane, that give it back to me and I'll ship it out to you. Yeah, I think we saw that last year. Or a few yeah, a few did, people did that. Yeah. Put the note on, which is good. So uh, I'll, have, I'll have to do the same, but it'll probably be via Keith Drennan shipping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which for that it should ship out that next Tuesday, so uh, <laughs> I didn't say the next Tuesday from what, but yeah. it won't be the Tuesday after Maker. Checks in the mail. Check is in the mail. My shipping woes are few and far between, but uh, yeah, I've been working on that. It's all repetitive, uh, but it's coming along nicely. So I'm pretty stoked on how it's coming out. Uh, I haven't seen anyone else posting. Uh, I haven't checked the hashtag in a couple of days, but haven't seen anyone else posting their stuff for the maker swap. I think I'm early money on the maker swap this year. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's uh, yeah, it's one of those things. Like I have all the intentions of starting early, but I don't know if it's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. Be the week of and be like, oh, I gotta get this done. But just like we always say, you want to show off your skills and. I've been saying I want to be the wow of the table. So I, I don't know if I'll be a wow or not with what I'm making. I think it's cool. So I'm sure a few other people would think it's cool. So as long as I get a couple of people and be like, oh man, that's cool. Then I'm happy. Hopefully the person who gets it is one of those people. <laughs> yeah. No, that'd be good. But yeah, it's not, it's a hundred and I think I, I saw Matthew Serio did a post today. There's 110 days left. So coming up quick yeah that's i keep getting the remind reminders from lil that of our trip in august so we just hit the we're sub 60 days at this point Whoa. yeah so it'll be fun that's a big trip too yeah time keeps ticking yeah <laughs> this year is getting away from me already i did the math on how many free days i have to get my maker swap item done. And I was like, oh man, I got to keep moving on it now. Otherwise I'm not going to be able to do something. That's a wow factor. Yeah. I can't say that. I've got a lot of free time. I just don't use it very well. Yeah. Well, I mean, some people need to be pushed up against the wall too. So, but obviously mine's taking a long time. There's a lot of parts and I'm making uh, two at the same time. So one for me, one for the swap. Well, one for somebody and one for the swap. Gotcha. But yeah. She'll see how this pans out. Yeah. My my item is something I've made before. Then I'm making a new version of it this time. So, Are you not telling people what it is either? 
Oh, the second I start making it, people figure it out if I start posting about it. Yeah. Mine, uh, I'm going to tell people well in advance, probably within the month, they should have it done. So, or at least recognizable to what it's going to be. And then, uh, every, but, but for now I do like the game aspect of not telling people what it is <laughs> other yeah. than artisanal firewood. Artisanal firewood. Or kindling. Kindling? Mm. Kin- kindling. What's the word? Kindling? I don't know. I think there's a D in there, but it gets silented depending on what part, what part of the country, yeah. what part of North America you're from. Yeah. Anyway, you look at it, it's still firewood to some people. Yeah. Some people are rooting for me to burn it all. <laughs> you're making a matchstick box made of matchstick. Who knows? Maybe somebody who gets it will just throw it in the fire at Maker Camp and be like, I don't want this thing. Boom. That would be disheartening. That would hurt. Yeah. But we shall see what happens. Should be fun. You know what I did today? Well, what'd you do in the shop? And then I'll get to what I did today. Um, no, it's been quite a, kind of a quiet in the shop. I got out. I uh, bought a more for the, the forge nerds, I guess. I bought a needle valve for my fuel system on the forge so that allows me to take like remember how i've talked about i have a mig gun tip as the last spot that the gas goes through before it goes into the forge right so with taking putting this needle valve in the loop i took that out so it's allowing me to put more gas in but it's also the needle valve is a variable mig gun tip i guess is the best way to put it so that if I want more gas, I can open the needle valve and it still holds back pressure like I was trying to do with the MIG gun tip. So right. It allows uh, allows me a bit more control. And I noticed, I don't know why I didn't do it in the first place. I think it was just, I didn't want to buy, like I bought it, I bought this valve off Amazon. I'm like, ah, it probably won't hold, it'll probably be crap. And anyways, so far so good. It's been, I've, I've fired it up and then, what would normally be like a 20 minute warm up was more like five. Like it made a big difference. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's funny. Like I've talked about this forge so much that I like, you know, I'm learning, I'm learning, and I'm still learning. Like I still, still haven't got it dialed in. Like that's the, the one thing that I regret with when I built my own forge is that I didn't have the knowledge of forges before I built it. <laughs> so when I built it, I was pretty green, still pretty green, but it's it's taking some some time to figure that out. To figure yeah, that's out one of those things you don't get right on the first one, right? No, so I'm on like version 20 of this forge with different fans and all this different stuff I've tried on it. So it's... Because I started out with a smaller fan and different MIG gun tip and uh, different regulators, different tanks, different everything. It's just now the, where I'm at now, the refractory is different. The, now I've got the MIG gun tips gone, needle valves in there, um, bigger blower on it. I got two tanks instead of one. Like it's, it's, uh, it's basically the same unit. It's just everything around it has changed in the last like two years that's still fun to do though right not like it's aggravating right no no it's still fun it's definitely definitely part of it um i kind of kicked myself a little bit um for when i went to the 
school, like when I went to New England school, metalwork, we, uh, we had the option to run gas or coal while we were there. So I, I ran with coal just cause that's what everybody was doing. And I, some ways I think I should have ran with gas to, uh, just kind of have some more time and some more reps with the gas. Yeah. Coal was fun. It was fun. It was a challenge. It's, I don't know. It just, it's a worthwhile adventure, I guess, to, to try out the coal. So at some point I plan on running a little bit of like charcoal here. So kind of need that experience as well. So, But then you get the rivet forge to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been, man, that's been over a year, year and a half now, I think since I bought that. Have you used it yet or no? No, it's, it's turned into a horizontal storage space. That's what happens with everything in my shop. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I got, the funny thing of it is I walked into Costco the other day. I'm like, oh, I should get some charcoal. Walk up, look at it. Yeah, I'll get it some other day. Like, why? Why do I do this? Huh? Grab some charcoal and do your, make what you fear project with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was, that's been a lot of fun anyways, trying to figure out this forge. And I think, I think I got it dialed in now, but it's definitely, definitely been a learning learning experience yeah like everything yeah. i guess <laughs> yeah it's not like you need to replace this forge no no the body and everything's solid it's just dialing things in i guess what br- brought me to put the the needle valve on was i was seeing the success that the guys with uh with the apollo forge um brian houseworks the his new his new forge design that he put out right and that's what they're running is a needle valve on their, on the gas system. Like there's no like orifice after the needle valve. And I've seen it before and I wasn't sure of it. And, but then to see it consistently work, like out of everybody that I know that has picked up an Apollo in the last, you know, three to six months, however long it's been out to see it work. And everybody's like, oh yeah, forge welding like 10 minutes after I put it together. I was like, all right, there's something to this. So. I'm going to try that. The only concern I have now is whether or not my blower is big enough for what I'm trying to do, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll work my way up to that problem. Let's <laughs> go from there. That would be an easy fix though, right? Yeah. It's just finding a, a blower with a bigger CFM, um, yeah. to get you where you need to be. But I don't think, I'm. I don't think there's an issue. I've, I've had that forge pretty hot a few times when I've had the, the, the mid gun tip out of it and it's got the quarter inch, just straight bore quarter inch going in and it gets hot and that it looks like your typical fire breath. But I was trying to, rightly or wrongly, I was trying to be more efficient. So I was trying to figure out how to get it so that it was on that edge of where I wanted to be. But I don't know. I think I'm, I'm overthinking it. Just burn the gas and get her done. I think you're overthinking it. Oh, a hundred percent I am. But that's my, that's my, uh, that's my workflow is overthink, overthink, and then go, ah, shit, shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. I overthink everything. I don't know. Yeah. It's a problem. Yeah. I got the, got the bike up and running too this week. So that was first time in a while. First time. First barely, time season? Yeah. I barely had it out last year. Put it in perspective. I've got, that bike is... I'm on my fifth season with that bike. It has 7,500 kilometers on it. Still like 5,000 5, or less miles. Man, you got to start riding that thing. Well, I'm about to put a, 
We'll have to put some miles on here soon. So July, right? Yeah, I I gotta get some maybe get some practice runs in and put some mileage on before I turn south and go for a ride. But it'll be uh it'll be good. I pulled my Honda up to the driveway, the four fifty, CL four fifty. I took some photos today. I think I'm gonna list it tomorrow for sale. Yeah. I see, I see you had the little the little one out too. Oh, d- dude, I pulled that thing out of the shed, right? That thing looks and mint. It is, yeah. It's all restored. And I haven't run it, I haven't even had it out of the shed in two years. And I pulled it out, and I'm like, oh. And it, I I emptied the gas out before I put it away two years ago, I guess. I throw some gas in it, and I, I'm thinking I'm going to have to bite with this thing, because I was thinking I may bring it up to the Jimmy Speedway. Oh, yeah. Uh, for 4th of July. And I was like, I'm going to have to fight with this thing. And I put some gas in it, turned it on. One kick, it fired right up. Wow. Yeah. I was amazed. It does have some issues I got to figure out. There's something wrong with the, it's just adjustments, but I have to adjust the clutch and I have to adjust the, there's something like if you're running it, you can't like once I'm like, like if I take it for a ride and I get done with it, I can't get it into neutral. Hmm. But if I turn it off and I let it sit for a bit, then it goes right into neutral, no problem. Yeah, that's weird. Right? You know, it's one of those one that's like five up or five or, or four up or something and then. One one down, four up. Or yeah, mine's, one da- mine's one down, five up. Yeah. But it's a half click up from first to get into neutral. Yeah, and neutral's in between. Yep. I guess when there's pressure built up in the transmission or something, it's not, it won't let you get to neutral. Like, I must have tried it 30, 40 times today after riding it. And then I I would shut it down, let it cool off, and it goes right into neutral. Fire it up again, go again, and it wouldn't go. I don't even know what adjustment that would be. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm no bike mechanic. Yeah, neither am I, but uh seems seems odd. I, I mean, I know it needs a clutch adjustment, but maybe that has something to do with it. Just in the handle clutch, you know? Yeah, no, I got you. Um, it might if if your clutch is, I don't know. I, I I'm I'm not going to speculate too much because I really don't know. But other than that, it runs like a top. What? You don't even need first gear in it. You could put it right in second. Yeah, I had forgot what it was like to ride it, so I put it in gear and I get it in the second, and it was like bopping wheelies on me, and I'm like, oh man, <laughs> gonna get used to this. Yeah, so I had a bit of an almost an uh oh moment with my bike so of course I put it away didn't have a whole lot of fuel in it and I take it to the gym I did my thing at the gym and I was coming back home and I had I don't know it's like 50k to empty so I had plenty of fuel so I pulled into the gas station and I'm about to jump off the bike and I go to lay it down on the kickstand realize I didn't put the kickstand down um what saved me was I generally put it down the kickstand with the seat up against my leg and my and the uh, and both hands on the handlebars just to control it down. This is a nine hundred pound bike. It's not it's not small. It's balanced really well, so it's not it doesn't feel nine hundred pounds. You don't feel the full weight of the bike. But I got over a bit, and I got over to the point where I'm like, I should be hitting the kickstand. And then I re- then I 
then I reefed it back up and it wasn't, like I say, it wasn't a big pull, but I looked down, I'm like, you idiot. It's like, oh, how bad that would have been. I've done it on the, on the 450, which is a little tall for me, right? Cause I got stumpy little legs. Yeah. Any, any enduro bike like that's tall, no matter what, like they're always, yeah. there's very few people have a 36 inch <laughs> inseam. Right. right. But, uh. I went to get off at one time and it, I was parking it in the grass and I thought I forgot to put the kickstand down, but the grass was so soft that it started to go. Oh, that's I was cool. like, oh, so then I had to swing it back over and find a new spot in the yard to put it. Yeah. My, my I guess scary moments with bike, my scariest as far as actually dumping a bike was the bike I had before this one. I was pulling into this restaurant and they had a gravel yard. So there's no, no asphalt, just all gravel. And I'm trying to, I was trying to roll into a parking spot and then back in. It was a little bit of an, an uphill as I was backing in. So it was pretty tough to push, but the way I went in, I cut the wheel too hard and grabbed way too much front brake. It just drove the nose of that bike into the gravel. That was the furthest I've ever had a bike laid over and not have it go on its side. And I brought it back. Oh, I brought it back up. That one was heavy. Um, that was, I was like, same idea. It's like, you idiot. What are you doing? So I have, and I have done that. I have actually, I had, so like everybody, as you go through life with bikes, I started out with like a $1,500 bike. And then the next bike was like $3,000 and they're, they're progressively, they go from rough to progressively getting better. So anyways, I had my second bike and that's the, basically the $3,000 bike. And it had a side cover, had a trunk that was on the side of the engine. It was underneath a, a steel plate, like a chrome plate. And it had a key on it. And, but it was one of these things that was really, if you used it, you really had to pay attention to it because if you didn't get the little ears that hooked into the body of the bike it would fall out and anyways it fell out on me one day going down the road so I turn around to pick it up and in my you know anger and panic and everything I I dropped my bike I swung around parked beside it parked beside the piece of metal but it's sitting on the yellow line in the middle of a two-lane road so I go to put the bike down on the kickstand I thought I had the kickstand down far enough but I didn't and the bike rolled ahead as I put it on the kickstand. So it kicked, rolled the kickstand back in yeah. and the bike fell over and didn't do any damage because the bike didn't have bags or anything. And it had a, it had a, uh, like a crash bar on the front, like the, yeah. the big yeah, loop bar right. you'll see on my, the bike I have now has, has that crash bar, um, more or less a footrest. <laughs> I don't expect it to do too much in a crash, but, um, yeah, it fell over, and then I'm cursing and swearing and throwing it back and throw it back up on its wheels, put the kickstand down, and then all these people, nobody's like, I'm trying, I'm standing there on the side of the road. There's this piece of chrome steel spinning in the middle of the road, and I'm on like a residential road. Like, it's not, it's busy because it's kind of one of the main throughways for right. the city, but it's slow enough that people could stop to actually let me get my, man, I had, I don't know how many people drove by and just kind of looked at me like I was an idiot while... I was an idiot, but, <laughs> um, 
And anyways, uh, yeah, I remember grabbing it and throwing it on and it had the, the ignition key was the key for the, for the tumbler or whatever. So we had to figure that out. Then I had a buddy of mine, a coworker that was with me. He was stopped ahead of me. He didn't turn around and come back. He just stopped, nice waited, waited for me. Yeah. We don't hang out much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, um, but well, he was nice enough to make sure I, you know, got it put back together and got home. So that was good, not good of him. But yeah, that was, that was an adventures of motorcycling. Yeah. There's always some sort of adventure. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I'm going to get rid of this one. I don't know if I'm going to get another one or not. Maybe. Yeah. This, if I do, I want something newer than 50 something years old. (laughs) Yeah. So for me, actually I've come to the conclusion here lately that if, well, I kind of made that conclusion last year. If I don't ride this bike very much this year, I'll probably get rid of it next. But, um, with the kind of opportunity to go to camp there for the timber and I think I'm going to, I think that's going to be enough to keep me, keep me, keep me in it for another year. Yeah. Or help you decide that you really don't like it. Yeah. I did buy a new, I did buy a new helmet and a new, uh, a new set of, uh, like armored pants. So I have all the armored gear. Um, like okay. the pants have, uh, have like these knee, knee protection and Kevlar in the knees. And then the, and then the, your rear end is covered in a, in Kevlar as well. Huh. Yeah. So, and then, uh, yeah, I got all the riding gear. Like I, the miles I've done in the past, I, I took the time and spent the money on good stuff. So that if I ever do have a tumble, it won't be too, too bad. <laughs> Still going to hurt. Yeah. Anything to avoid road rash. Yeah. So well, that's part of it. So for one of the things I picked up this week was a new helmet and it's going to help quite a bit with if something like that were to happen. I didn't realize I have a beanie that I normally wear and I, I'm still comfortable wearing the beanie, but I just realized how little protection there is in the beanie compared to like an actual full face helmet. It's, it's a essentially huge, zero. Yeah. It's, it's basically just, yeah. It's basically zero. And what I have is the new helmet I picked up was, it's basically a three quarter with lack of a better term, they call it a muzzle piece. It's a piece that locks in the front that covers, covers from your nose to your chin. And it has a drop down visor built in. So I have one, it's, I guess, three quarter. And then the whole, the whole front comes down and goes out. So it has like a solid chin piece, like the modular ones, or it's like all just like a plexi that comes, like a windshield that comes down. To be honest with you, I haven't put it on in a couple of years, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think the whole chin part goes up. Oh, okay. There's like a button on the bottom that you press to bring it up? So, yeah. Yeah. So those, yeah, that's, mine's like one step behind that, like in protection wise, mine's, but mine's. I don't know. Mine's a little bit better than a three quarter, but nothing, not much better than a three quarter helmet. I remember when we took our class, one of the instructors, because we had a couple of instructors, one of them's like, you can buy whatever DOT helmet you want. He's like, but for me, if I want to protect my head, I want to protect my face too from like when I fall. So yeah. I just get a beanie. And he was against the lift up ones. Yeah. I for think they. Reason. I think they've gotten better over time, but I think at one point in time like that, 
that lift up that chin piece was didn't lock into the back of the helmet really well i think they're getting much much better as the technology gets better yeah i don't know i'm gonna have to look at mine see what it is but i don't know i was looking at a couple little bikes uh, a few months ago thought about picking up a smaller do a bike but i don't know yeah the, the pipe dream for me would be to have two motorcycles one's like the round town kind of like a bobber kind of just the stripped down kind of smaller bike lightweight good size engine kind of thing um, still well and then the bagger that i have so yeah that would be that would be the dream but right now the bagger does everything pretty well doesn't do it's like a jack of all trades it does it does do the long trips very very well it does have it does have its ace up, <laughs> ace up its sleeve but yeah my brother just got that set up he had uh I don't know what it was, some other bike, and then he just got a bagger. Yeah, I had, um, if anybody wants to look this up, the bike I had before this, which was the bike I did most of my big trips on, was a Yamaha Raider, and it looks like it came out of Orange County Choppers kind of thing, if you remember that show. It's got, it had the raked out front end, so the front wheel was way out in front of you. had a big, tall skinny front tire like i think the front tire was the front rim was like 21 inches so it is a big big front wheel that's what my brother has he is the the raider scl maybe oh he has okay he won it bugger (laughs) (laughs) so i in some ways i regret getting rid of that bike because i drove the wheels off that bike for the three years that i had it i was very happy with that bike but then we were doing long trips. We went up into Quebec, into the Gas Bay. We did like a 700-kilometer day on that bike, and it doesn't have much of a back seat. And, you know, it's the the creature comforts aren't there. There's no cruise control for like longer highway drives, that kind of stuff. Um, first world problems, I know. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, this new bike, this well, not new now, but the um, bike I have now has got that's what it's built for. And that's what I bought it for. And then, of course, I bought it in 18. And we drove it a fair bit, 18, 19. And then 20 hit, COVID hit. <laughs> Bike season was banished. <laughs> so I only get so many months of the, out of the year. And I didn't really, yeah, I just didn't really feel like driving very much after 20. And then now this year's kind of pushed myself to get out on it again. Kind of coming back to our last episode about with Hatch and mental health, there's a joke out there about never seeing a motorcycle in a psychiatrist's parking lot. And rightly or wrongly, I, I kind of agree with it because I find when I'm on the bike, I'm able to uh, forget about everything. Either forget about everything or get into stuff in my head that just allows me to clear my head. Yep. Like work through problems in my head so that, you know, I remember I got off that bike. I just drove to the gym, which is uh, 20 minutes at the most, depending on how I'm driving. So it can be shorter. But And I had the biggest grin on my face walking into the gym. I walked back out, hopped back on the bike at the end of, end of my coaching session. And the same idea the whole drive back was just like, if if I didn't have a windshield, my bugs would have been full of teeth. Or <laughs> my bugs would have been full of teeth. 
<laughs> my teeth would have been full of bugs. Yeah. <laughs> so, good. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's a kind of a fun place to be because you kind of play. It's, there's an adrenaline rush to driving a bike and in a good way, not like a soup. Some people think they're dangerous, but I, I think as long as you're paying attention, you're fine. Yeah. I don't think it's inherently dangerous from a rider's perspective, like what the rider's going to do. I'm either are the assholes out there. Yeah. But I always worry about the other cars, not paying attention to you. Yeah. I, I find that's part of what kind of, so instead of like being like in your phone or something, your brain is just firing on all cylinders when you're on a bike, especially when you're in a residential area. Like if you're on a road that's for us would be like a 70 kilometer hour road, which is kind of a throughway through a bigger, like bigger towns. Like for you guys would be, that'd be what? 35 miles an hour, give or take, maybe mm-hmm. 40, probably 40. Anyways, like you get on a road that's like that, that's busy. Like you're on a bike, you're, you're paying attention and it's, it just kind of like wakes you up and gets you, get your mind really working again. So, cause today's day and age, I tend to have the issue of just like getting buried in my phone or something and just brains in neutral for, you know, eight hours out of the day. Yeah. The world can do that to you now. So many distractions. Yeah. Well, it's, you always hear the cliche, the brain's a, the brain's a muscle and you have to work it. And that's, I think that's, you know, that metaphor works. Yeah. I would have to agree with that. And like any of your muscle groups, you should work it out in different ways. Yeah. So yeah, like I say, I, and then, yeah, that bike just, it's, it's just a lot of fun. And it's so easy to do stuff with because it's got the two, the two saddlebags. Right. That fits a lot of stuff. Cause I can remember driving my other bikes that didn't have bags and go to the grocery store and get a, get something, whatever it was. Then you had to get a bag you had to hang that over your handlebars, which not the safest thing in the world to do. And just, I always, I always did the, uh, backpack. Yeah. A lot of people there's a lot of people who really don't like the idea of a backpack. They say like in a, in a crash, the difference in weight, the backpack's going to throw you and pull you around in different directions, depending on the, like the weight that's in it. So I, I would agree with it, but I would think for the most part, the weight would stay with you. You're just a heavier, your mass is heavier when you're, when you, when you're coming off the thing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I'm not, uh, not a scientist. Me either. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to think. I I never go on highways or long trips or anything, so I don't really know what that's like. I'm always on like town roads. But we're pretty congested here, so Yeah. I find it pretty good though. Like I it's, it's just a thing that like I kinda like kinda like that you have to be switched on when you're driving. Like with my with my car, like like most cars today, like you flip your cruise control on and now you got, you know, lane centering and, or lane assist or whatever. Then it got radar that slows you down. If the car in front of you is going too slow or if it speeds up, it'll, it'll keep with it. If your speed set at the right, this, I mean, other than cruise control, that bike does nothing for me. I have to do all the work. So that makes a, it's like, it's like hopping in an old, manual transmission yeah i think they need to bring that back (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. I think everyone should have a first car that's a stick shift. Learn how a car works and pay attention to drive. Because you can't be on your phone. I mean, you could. But for the most part, you really can't be on your phone and driving a stick shift. Well, especially where you're at. Like in Jersey, like I... I mean, when you're on the parkway and whatever, it's not too bad. But when you start to get into like the major centers, like you have to pay attention. You have to remember what gear you're in. I mean, before they really started getting rid of the stick shifts, they they were starting to put. Um, well, my bike has it too. It'll have it has an indicator on what gear you're in. Oh, really? I never had a stick shift with that. Yeah, well, I had a twenty. I had a twenty twelve or twenty thirteen stick shift, and I don't think I had that either. Yeah. Like, I mean, I may just never paid attention. Well, yeah, I barely remember that mine has, the, the motorcycle has it, but it's got, depending on the the speedometer has a little readout on it in the far right side, it shows what gear you're in. And then this, I've got a navigation screen and it, it will show you, you can put a split screen up that'll show you a bunch of different things on one side and then you can put it, bunch of different things on the, le- the left and right side and one of them is that you can put up like a uh, gear selector and a bunch of like oil temp and that kind of stuff like it'll give you a lot of information like a dashboard yeah yeah well it's a seven inch screen pretty cool Does that have apple carplay uh yeah it does actually you can set it up you can set it up to do that i don't have an apple so and they don't they don't show, I don't see anything yet that they've updated it to, to take Android. That's a shame. Yeah. That's good. I say I have to do everything, but it does have, it does have GPS on it. That's nice. I never had any of that. I still have to make the turn though. <laughs> For now. I'm like 90% sure I could do 90% of that trip to New York now without GPS. Really? Yeah. It's, it's easy. It's I was talking it over with Lucas one day when we were down at camp, and it's just, as I come down the 95, I hit the 295, and then it's the it's a 495, I think. I have to, I guess I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm saying I know how to do it, but I, I think if I saw the, the signs, I'd, I'd get through it. Like, I don't, I don't think I'd need the GPS. Because then once, once I hit, once I hit the 90, which takes me across, uh, mass like it's the trip's over at that point like <laughs> there's still mileage to do but it's once you're on the 90 that's taking you to, that's pretty much taking you most of the way there because then you cross into into new york state and take the 87 south to uh to east durham yeah for me i have um two highways yeah i, get, I got the one right by my house and then i get on the uh garden state parkway which turns into 87 and then i get off at the yeah. Exit. Just let me have a look real quick. Yeah, because I go down. Yeah, that was right. 495. Yeah, so I can take the 495 down, then the 290, and then the 290 to the 90. That'll take me most of the way. Or you can take the 495 further south, hit the 90, and then take the 90 the rest of the way. But that's what you're that's what you're looking for when you're coming from my way to, to get to camp is the 90. Once I hit the 90, it's it's over. In Massachusetts is where the 90 is, right? Yes. Yeah, because yeah, I, I use the the 95 
to the 295 and then i think it's back to the 95 this is all inside main and i hit back to the 95 for the 10 minutes that you're in um new hampshire new hampshire and then then you're into mass by that point so that's and that's a bulk of the trip like to get through maine is a big portion of that trip because it's the time from home to the to portland is about five 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 and a half hours and it's it's better part of half of that trip so and then i start hitting traffic because then new hampshire and hitting towards boston then it starts to get traffic no matter what time of day i go yeah, I mean, any major city like that, it's going to have traffic around it. Yeah. I was always shocked by getting anywhere near New York and how you hit Connecticut and all of a sudden you're just in traffic. It's like, what? You're like two hours away from the city. No, you're in traffic. Traffic. So. Always traffic. Most of us down here live our lives in traffic. It's weird. Yeah. There's part of me that would, that would like to, to move down that way just because of like the community that's down there, like with the makers and that. But goddamn traffic. <laughs> I, I always explain, somebody will ask what it's like up here. And I'm like, it's like New England, only less people. Like we just don't have, this population density is not very high. Our rush hour is like 15 minutes on a two lane highway. Like, sounds like a dream. Yeah. Like, you, so my drive to and from work is 16 minutes and it's a, would be about a 10 to 12 mile trip. If I'm in the office, my drive to work is zero. Yeah, I understand. You walk across the hallway. <laughs> yeah. Only time I have to do traffic is if I'm in the field, which is a couple times a week. Yeah, that'd be nice. Well, it'd be but, better than driving every day. Yeah, which, I mean, depending on where I am in the projects, there are days where I'm out five days a week, and I can't stand the stops. <laughs> You getting into like the finishing, finishing side of things? Uh, it's more the start. Oh, really? Yeah, like uh, we just launched a new network on Wednesday, like a new carrier network, and uh, the initial launch was Wednesday. I have nothing to do with the launch, but uh, I'd say about a year ago is when I was in the field all the time, like like from four to five days a week, and then. Leading up to the launch, we were closing outside, so I was out quite a bit. Yeah, I got you. So, like, we're always uh, years ahead of the announcements, you know? Oh, yeah, you have to be. So, uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's fun, though. Well, it's not fun, but it's, uh, I don't know. Just, (laughs) I hate my job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anywho. Let's move on. What do you say we thank those patrons, Tony? Do we have to? Yeah, we do. Yeah, they, they kind of like it. We kind of like them. I, I definitely like them. I don't know where this kind of comes in. <laughs> I'm a fan of every patron. Well, we start off with one we're not quite a fan of, but anyways. <laughs> Maybe you're not quite a fan. <laughs> All right, here we go. Corey of Odyssey CNC. Uh, the Etsy boys, Christy of Twisted Twine, Annette of 513 Woodworks, Full Steam Design by Chris Powell, Lillian Archer Photography, David Beckwith Makes, NB Woodfinery. In our top tier, we have Eastpoke Studios, Danelle Smith Christian, Brian Drennan, Lawrence of MaritimeNiceSupply.com, ButtJoints.com, Adam of Uncle Sam Metalworks, Green Street Joinery, 
Vincent Ferrari of Digitally Creative, Brian Houseford of Workfort Podcast, Artigino Sorio, Matt of Wooden Mustache, Brad of Brad's Customs, David and Joanna at Wido Works, Chad of Chad's Custom Creations, Ryan of Gnome Hammer Forge, David of DW Wood Builds, Matt of First Duke Construction, and Tony of Kodamo Design. Thank you all. We really do appreciate it. Yeah. I'm just, jo- all. I'm just joking yeah. about <laughs> Well, we're not like Fire and Steel where we crap all over our patrons. Or pick and choose them. Oh. It's funny. I I do have a story about that uh, for the after show. Oh, okay. It's for patrons. It's not, it's not that exciting. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking forward. I'm debating. I don't know if I'm definitely going yet, but I'm leaning towards going to this Jimmy Speedway thing, the go-kart race. Yeah. It's definitely not something, because it's just a day thing for me. That'd be, you know. It's only a couple hours, too. I think he kicks everyone out once it's over. Yeah, I, I heard. Well, that's what I've noticed. That it's like you come down, play at the Speedway, and then see ya. Yeah, I think it's mainly for locals. I think I'm a little too far away to be going. but Yeah, it looks like it's fun, though. Like, if you've got the opportunity to go, I'd go. Yeah. I was talking to Rob Rojas, and he's bringing his little CT70. So, I think I'm going to a ride up a bunch. Yeah. I mean, I was playing in that. He just mentioned it to me after I posted my story. Oh, cool. But, uh, yeah, it should be fun to go. I'm interested to see some of these go-karts these guys make. They're crazy. If I had the room, I would build them. I don't know. Yeah, there's a few. I think, who did I see? I think Dave Beckwith's making one. Yeah. I saw that. I'm trying to think of anybody else. but I saw Beckwith making one. I saw uh, Chris Epp bought one. Uh, he's fixing it up. He's not building one. Uh, Clement's engines, or is that? Uh, Clement's small engines or something? Yeah, Clement's small engines. or yeah. Everyone knows they count. I think he's building one. He's probably going to have some. Yeah, I think he pretty much builds one every year. Yeah. Like a new one. Or new motor for it or something. Yeah. I don't know. Um, his always look interesting. Uh, Jimmy's building one, obviously. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah, like I say, it's something that if I was closer, I'd probably go. But it, is it also July 4th, like the actual July 4th day? Or is it? No, it's a different day, July 4th itself. Okay. I didn't know. I wouldn't go if it was on July 4th. I, I don't want to go for it being three days earlier than that because I don't, I hate oh, driving on holiday weekends. July July 1st, it's actually, yeah. that's. has nothing to do with. The holiday, I mean, yeah, I like July 4th and all, but uh, I hate traveling on holiday weekend. Gotcha. Well, I should say holiday weekends that most people travel on. Like 4th of July, everyone's out and about doing their thing. But I think, I, I don't know if I'll hit much traffic going up there. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I got but you. I think because it is only a couple hours, not many people go. At least I hope not many people <laughs> Yeah, like I say, if it was if it was close to me, I'd probably do it. But like, I'm not that close. Ten hours drive for maybe four hour event. It's about what it is. Yeah, you got run on ten hours each way. I've never seen the track, but I hear it's small. Yeah, from the videos, it, it looks. And then driving by, like you can't really see the track behind the building, so not not big. Yeah, I don't know. 
I'm not racing, but I may go out on the track, check it out. Yeah, two wheels versus four is kind of difficult. I would not do that. Yeah. It just keeps... Somebody comes in hot into a corner and then you're I'm, on your side. I'm using it purely as motivation to get that little bike out of the out of the shed. Yeah. You know, I can't really ride it around here, so if I can bring it up there and even if I just tool around in this parking lot, see what happens. Anywho, I said we move on over to the after show. What do you say? Yep. You got any final words? Nope. All right. If you want to rate and review the show, we'd greatly appreciate it. Five stars is always welcome. If you do write a review and you leave it with a five-star review, we'll read it out online. We haven't seen one of those since the infamous review. The 10-minute review. Yeah, the 10-minute review, which was fantastic. Um, but yeah, I'll read it out online. Uh, if, if you could share the show with all your friends, we'd greatly appreciate that. Uh, if you want to join our Patreon group, that's phenomenal. You have, I think, till next week to get in for the Gnome Hammer Waffle. You can join our Patreon. You can join his Patreon. He's giving away a anvil. An anvil? Yes. Uh, I know he told me the style of anvil, but I forget what it is. But it's a benchtop anvil he's making. It looks awesome. It's he's a putting in church window. Church window. He's putting in a ton of work on it. It's it's coming out pretty cool from what I've seen. You can also buy a waffle ticket for that. If you go to Gnome Hammer Forge on Instagram, you can get all the details there. I'm sure there's a link tree something in his profile. Uh, or you can direct message him, and he will put you in touch with all the different places you can join up for that. Uh, last year, or oh, we he did a giveaway last month. And it was a hammer and first do construction. That Sutter over there won it, and uh, he's very happy with it. Um, so get out on that. In the meantime, if you want to find Tony, he's at Woodland Iron. I'm at Blackthorn Concepts. Both of us can be found on Instagram at Working Hands Podcast or on TikTok at Working Hands 3. We are headed over to the after show. Later.